So I've been doing a series, started, we started with Pentecost Sunday, and the series is I just called This Is Who We Are, We're the People of Pentecost. So Pentecost Sunday, if you follow church calendar stuff, that's why tablecloth is red, that's the Pentecost Holy Spirit. So we're just extending that, and I'm going through the book of Acts, mostly chapter by chapter, looking at people, like you and me, ordinary, real people, who had this transforming experience with Jesus and the Spirit of God on Pentecost was poured on them and poured over them in supernatural ways. Not unlike can happen to us. And so, so that's, why, that's why I titled this, this is who we are. It may not be how we are right now, but it's who we are. It's who God created us to be. People who are full of the Spirit do these things. So today we're going to look at Acts chapter 5. So Acts chapter 2 was when Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit's poured out into people. Incredible things happen. Boldness happens. Uh, Acts chapter 4, we did last week. Peter and John are going to the regular daily prayer service. They stop. Peter speaks to a lame man and says, I'm not going to give you any money, but what I have, I give you. Get up and walk. And the guy who'd been lame for over 40 years gets up and walks and leaps and dances. So you can, and then crowds ran and gathered. The religious leaders who, what, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks before had killed Jesus, they're upset, and they tell Peter and John, don't, they don't tell them don't heal, don't, they, don't, they don't tell them don't do good things. They say don't do good things in the name of Jesus. So the world doesn't, is not upset if we do good things. If we attach Jesus to it, it becomes kind of a, so, so they, they tell them that, and then it says Peter and John are released from prison. This is the end of chapter 4. They're released from prison. They go back, and they gather in somebody's house, and they pray for boldness. In the midst of they were just threatened. They pray for boldness as the house was shaken, and uh, they were all went out proclaiming the word of God with boldness. Then chapter 4 ends with, and they were just, they were all generous, and there was no need among people among them. There was great generosity among them. And it even ends with, and I'm saying this because this is going to be important, what we're going to look at. It ends with an example of, of uh, a guy named Joseph who sold his field and gave all the money to the apostles to give to the poor. Now chapter 5. So chapter 5 is an interesting chapter because it has like three, I'll just call it three vignettes, three scenes that seemingly don't go together. Uh, general understanding is Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke was a medical doctor. So we understand he's probably very detail-oriented, got these from talking to people. But they, and actually the, the, the chapter divisions of the Bible and the verse divisions didn't really happen until like 150 years ago, but I think they were done in wise ways. So better, we're going to look at chapter 5, but there's three things that happen in chapter 5. It's almost like you're, it's almost like you're watching three different shows, all right? And I'm going to start in the middle of chapter 5 with, with part of the story. And then I'll go out to the outside, all right? And there's a reason I'm doing that. So again, this is who we are. We are people of Pentecost, which means we are people of the Holy Spirit, all right? So here's the first one. We're going to go to the middle of Acts chapter 5, and I'm going to start with that one first. I don't, um, you know, Luke put these in order for some kind of reason. And the, 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 the overarching phrase, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, read the, I'm going to read this part of the passage. It says, all the people had high regard for them. So this is what we all want. You know, we want the world to have high regard for us as Christians. But here's what happens in the middle of Acts chapter 5, all right? The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared join them 
even though all the people had high regard for them. So the church was highly esteemed by those who weren't part of the church, right? Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds, some translations say multitudes of men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. This part of the passage, every one of us is probably like, yes, that's what I want. I want, I want miraculous signs and wonders. I want esteem from the culture. I want people to highly regard us. I want to see more and more people believe Jesus. Most of us, myself included, wish this was all there was to chapter 5. Because this is what we want. We want more and more people to come to Christ. We want to see supernatural ways which the Holy Spirit can do things in our lives, through our lives, and others' lives. And we want to have some, we want to be highly regarded. We want that. There's nothing wrong wanting that. Right? Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's the kind of people we can be. Right? Now, I started with the middle, and you might guess this. The two outside passages are a little bit more challenging for us to say yes. All right? Let me go to the first part. Now go to Acts chapter 5, verse 1. This is how the chapter starts. So remember I said chapter 4 ended with the incredible generosity in church, people selling property, giving money to the apostles to give to the poor. And gives an example of a guy named Joseph who sold a field, gave gave all the money to the apostles. All right, so now this is chapter 5, so it kind of continues that, all right? But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Peter didn't say you lied to us. He said you lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. In other words, you could have just told us, I sold it for 10000 I'm giving you eight. But he said, I sold it for eight, and I'm giving you eight. Whatever. All right. So it's not that the church was demanding money. It was like, no, Ananias and I were lying. Why? They wanted to have this esteemed reputation. Look, we sold this, and we're giving it to you. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. I heard one, one person say this is one of the reasons they don't like Christianity, because they think God is too harsh. Right, we get that, right? I can understand that. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? Interesting. Both times Peter's saying, I can't believe you lied to us. He's saying, you're testing the Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly... 
she, tell, she fell to the floor and died. When the young man came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Last line of this passage. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. All right. It is one of those passages like, wow, that's is that a little over the top God on this? In great fear, but we need to respect the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, what Ananias and Sapphira are doing, which we all can be tempted to do, is we want to craft an image to others that is maybe more spiritual than we know is true. I mean, and it's kind of like... It's kind of like electricity. I don't, I don't do electricity much at home, repair-wise. Paul, where's Paul Henderson? Electrical engineer, he probably can do whatever he wants to do. I don't like touching wires unless I check like five times the power's off. Power's off. Power's off. One time I didn't, and I hit something, and I throw the wrench across the room, right? I respect electricity. You go about it haphazardly, you can not only get hurt, you can die, all right? Some may say, okay, why did God have to be so harsh to Ananias and Sapphira? I think because the Holy Spirit is a serious thing. Not, not heavy, not severe, but it's serious. And right away, I think God wanted to say, no, the church is going to be pure. You can't have the Holy Spirit if you're holding on to something else that dishonors God. You can't. So yes, we want healing, multitudes coming to Jesus, uh, high regard, but you can't have that if you're holding on to something and being dishonest to the Holy Spirit. And maybe you aren't lying about money and giving or whatever. Maybe there's something else you're holding on to that you know, and maybe the other people here or your friends or maybe your family don't even know. But you can't get that and still be dishonest to the Holy Spirit. You have to take it together, right? So my challenge there is simply be honest with the Holy Spirit. Yes, be honest with other people, sure. Be honest with people you know, your family, your friends, other Christians. But first and foremost, be honest with the Holy Spirit. If you're honest with the Holy Spirit, you will be honest with other people. And you might end up in a way that sets you free confessing sin to someone. But it sets you free. It doesn't, it's not a way to harm you. It sets you free. So I'm just saying that because if we want more of the Holy Spirit, if I want more of the Holy Spirit, I sure better make sure that there's nothing, no, no flaw. I don't mean flaw like character flaw. I mean flaw like known sin. Um, and, and you might say, well, I, don't, I can't think of anything. Okay, sometimes we ask, sometimes... Uh, okay, Holy Spirit, what, what do I need to... But more often than not, we know that thing we're holding on to. That, yeah, we said we did this, but we really did this. Because we want to be impressive to our friends, family, church, pastor, whatever. So, um, but again, we, we want what's in the middle of this passage. You can't have it. I can't have it. You can't have it. We can't have it if you're, if you're going to hold on to something. So if you're holding on to something... Throw it in front of the Holy Spirit, confess it, and get healing. Granted, so that's that's why I start with that middle passage first, because it's like if I were to, if you start with now, granted, when Luke wrote the book, he put this first, 
But I wanted to start with, this is what we want. We want supernatural power. We want multitudes to come to Jesus. Boom. If you want that, you, you have to take that. It's like I was, uh, recently I was eating with my family and somebody ordered a hamburger and things came on it they didn't know came on it. And, and it's kind of like sometimes, sometimes they'll say no substitutions. This kind of time it was a situation they just didn't know and they wanted to take it off. But we, you can't do that with the Holy Spirit. You can't say, I want this. I want the middle of five. But I can leave off the onions of, of the first part. Leave that off. Please leave off the onions of man. You can't do that. What's on the menu for God of the Holy Spirit is as it is. No substitutions, right? All right. So that's, so that's the first part. Great fear in ter- 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 entire church because Ananias and Sapphira were severely disciplined by the Holy Spirit for dishonoring and lying to the Holy Spirit. All right. Now let's go to the end of the passage. So that passage was first. Then they talk about the multitudes and healing and high regard. Now let's go to the end of the passage, which is, starts with uh, chapter 5, verse 17. And I'll just, the overarching frame of this one is they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. So here we have the Pharisees, the religious leaders again. Um, because they were the ones who were upset when Peter and James healed the lame man in chapter 4. Now they're upset because what we just read about in the middle of chapter 5 is massive healings, demons being cast out of people, and the religious authorities, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the temple priests, they're hearing about it. These are the same people that sat in judgment over Jesus months before. So it's totally fresh in their memory. They were trying to kill this Jesus guy, and now they can't do it, all right? So so they, they just... All this, the, the multitudes are gathering and they're knowing about all these things the apostles are doing, all this incredible Holy Spirit stuff. Now, I'll start with the end of the chapter. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They're getting all the attention. The crowds want what they have, not what we have. Because what they had is law, what they have is uh, kind of death, obligation, duty, which sometimes we've lived our Christian lives that way, obligation, duty. That's not the spirit of Jesus, all right? So they were jealous. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Ooh, that's something I don't want on my burger, right? They put them in the public jail. Probably not air-conditioned, Sadie. Probably no power, no dealing, all right? Supernatural moment. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, the angel, go to the temple, give the people the message of life. So they were jailed for talking about Jesus. Supernatural, weird meter moment. The Holy Spirit releases them through an angel and says, go back and do what you're just doing before you got arrested. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they arrived, they convened at the high council and the full assembly of the elders of Israel. They're thinking these guys are still in jail. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. When the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside. When we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, understandable, wondering where this is all going to end. Then someone arrived with the startling news. The men you put in jail, they're standing in the temple teaching the people. 
the captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles again, but without violence. For they were afraid the people would stone them because they, crowds had gathered. Supernatural things had happened. The people were on the side of the apostles because they saw what God was doing. Then they brought the apostles before the high council again, where the high priest confronted them again. I'm adding the again, but we gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. Well, you were. You, you were the jury that convicted him to death two months ago. We gave you strict orders not to talk about Jesus. Didn't give them strict orders not to heal or do good deeds. Gave them strict orders not to do it through the power of the name of Jesus. Now, I'll stop here because even this, okay, this is jail, confrontation by powerful people, very uncomfortable. Maybe you've experienced that some kind of persecution because of the name of Jesus. Maybe you've experienced that. And maybe you're a little bit skittish or sheepish to talk about Jesus. It's easier to talk about religion or Christianity because that swallowed people in our culture are okay with that. But you start talking about Jesus, people get understandably uncomfortable. All right. So this, this is something, you know, public jail, people getting mad at me, jealous, angry. That's something, if it has to come on my burger, I'll take it. I don't want it on there, but I can, I can deal with the onion and mayonnaise. I'm not, I'm not associating onion and mayonnaise with just evil things, but it is evil. But anyway, so, um, but let me finish the passage, though, because this is where it gets really hard. If we want more of the Holy Spirit, all right? But Peter and the apostles raised Jesus from the dead, and after you killed him, by hanging him on a cross. So you can just feel these religious leaders, they were fuming. They, of course they were. Then God put him in place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God. To who? To those who obey him. We don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. He's given to those. He's given to us when we obey. All right. So Peter's talking. He says, when they heard this, the council now was furious and decided to kill them. Now it gets really uncomfortable, right? I want the Holy Spirit. I want healing multitudes. I want high regard. I don't want somebody to want to kill me because of Jesus. Right? But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law, and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be sent outside council chambers for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, Men of Israel, take care of what you're planning to do to these men. Some time ago, it was that fellow Theudas who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed, and all of his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. This is Gamaliel talking. After him at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed. All of his followers were scattered. So my advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. I'm one of the apostles now. I'm like, good. We're not going to send us to jail. Thanks, Gamaliel. All right. 
Next line, though. Next line. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Don't want that on my burger. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. I want multitudes to come to Jesus. I want signs and wonders. I want high regard from the people. Don't want that. Persecution, people not like me, I can deal with that. Physical pain, that's a whole other category. Had them flogged. Some translations say they were beaten. Either way, highly uncomfortable. Then they ordered them again never to speak in the name of Jesus. They had to put a little more authority on that. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. And by the way, with this beating and flogging, you'll remember what we said now. kind of blows me away. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. How do you do that? Impossible without the Holy Spirit in them. They weren't faking it. They weren't like, yay. They were rejoicing that God counted them worthy to suffer. You cannot do that on human ability. That only is if the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is in you. While I don't want to experience rejoicing after suffering, it seems like that's a pretty powerful thing to experience. I don't want it. None of us want it. But that may be something that sometimes someone, maybe even this room, may have to experience. I don't know. We don't know what the future holds. And every day, they've been told, don't ever teach this guy's name again. Every day in the temple, from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. It's like, you guys just got flogged. You're probably beaten. You're probably bruised. They're probably all limping out of there and holding each other up. Hey, we're going back to the temple tomorrow. I mean, maybe a day or two to recuperate. Maybe a day or two to kind of reconsider a strategy. Maybe go to another town where the heat's not so hot. They continued every day to teach and preach the message, Jesus is the Messiah. All I wrote in my notes after that was, wow. Wow. But next slide, that's who we are. With the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can be those kind of people. With the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we can be the kind of people who rejoice at suffering for the name of Jesus. We don't invite it. We don't try to make it happen. We don't, we don't manufacture it. But if it happens with the spirit of Jesus in you, as he said that's what we have, then we can rejoice in the face of suffering. I don't want that. And I, you probably don't either. But I think I'll speak for all of us. We want to be those kind of people. I want to be the kind of person who has something in my soul that can rejoice when I suffer for the name of Jesus. I also want to see multitudes come to Jesus. I want people to have high regard for the body of Christ. I want to see healings. And if that has to come with it, 
And I say that almost like it's an object. No, it's very likely comes with it. Not only does the severity of Ananias and Sapphira, I'm making like a Holy Spirit sandwich. You have the severity of lying to the Holy Spirit, then you have the severity of the persecution. But in the middle of this passage, it's like we all want that. Multitudes coming to Jesus. Holy Spirit being run through the apostles and healing people. Even Peter's shadow would heal somebody. So again, either this is, either the book of Acts is a account of what happened with these supernaturally invested men and women, and the rest of us just have ordinary lives, and it's just nice, it's a nice history thing to encourage us, or it is who we are. Either the book of Acts and who the apostles are, we share their spiritual DNA. That's who we are. Otherwise, it's a, it's a waste of time to even read the book of Acts or talk about Superman. Otherwise, we're just holding on until Jesus comes back. So if the book of Acts is an account of, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles. I've heard some people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. If the book of Acts is an account of the Holy Spirit working through ordinary women, ordinary men to accomplish supernatural results that turn people to Jesus, then that's who we are. So... On the opening slide, I had, we're the people of the Pentecost, but we're the people of the Holy Spirit. Our lives should be markedly different. We should expect supernatural things in our lives. And we don't want to manufacture it, but we should expect persecution. And not manufacture it. Not persecution because we're being a jerk. Not persecution because we vote Republican or vote Democrat. Not persecution for our political points of view. Never. No. Not. If that's, if that's what your persecution is about, that's on you. If you're being persecuted because you believe in and claim the power of Jesus to do incredible things in your life and others, then the Holy Spirit will be with you through that. But don't, don't confuse it for political stuff or other things. It's on you. If it's the name of Jesus and there's power in what you're doing because of what Jesus is doing, and you're talking about spiritual transformation of people and healing, the Holy Spirit's with you. Always. So, my, my title of this sermon, which, I'll fit, which I decided to do at the very end, was, and I don't have a slide for it, but it's the fearful, powerful, and dangerous Holy Spirit. Fearful because the people, will fe- they feared the, the, wow, look at what happened to the church with Ananias and Sapphira, they kept them in high regard. Dangerous because persecution is right around the corner. But powerful, which is, like I said, we all want that. We, we all want that. We, that's, that's, to some degree, we're followers of Jesus because we love Jesus. But if you're like a lot of Christians, including myself, a lot, you, you know there's, there's more. There's more of knowing and loving God. But the book of Acts tells us who we are. And that's who we are. So... Um, my, my challenge of this is simply, you know, when we pray or you pray or I sing or you sing, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me, or there's a song, Come Holy Spirit. Know what you're asking for. You're asking for it to be a life-changing reality in your life that will make you the most alive and awake and free that you'll ever be in life. And you'll bring that life and freedom to other people. But you've got to also take with it the fact that the enemy hates the Holy Spirit. He hates what Jesus will do. So 
if you ask, just make sure you ask and you know what you're asking for. But ask. Don't not ask. Don't not ask out of fear. Ask. Because he will do great things in us. He will do great things in you and in your life. So let me pray. So Jesus, um, we ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And it's perhaps one of the most scary prayers we can pray. And one of the most scary songs we can sing. Fall fresh on me. And we're not going to... We don't want to ask. We're not going to ask for substitutions. We're not going to take this off and add this. We know that if you give the Holy Spirit, it's all a package. But it's a package for life. It's a package for joy. And we deeply want that. And would you remove in us the fears? One, the fears of being thought badly by the culture. Would you even the fear of being harmed by the culture because of Jesus? But would you also remove in us the fear that we can't be open and confess our sins to you openly? Because we're, some of us are tired of lying to the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that either. So Jesus, we love you. Um, we're grateful that you gave yourself on the cross to bring us new life. And you open up this new and living way by the Holy Spirit, because of your death and your resurrection, the Holy Spirit now is in us, this whole new way that we can know God. We're grateful for that, and we celebrate that here in a moment. But we're grateful for your death, your resurrection, and your pouring out your Spirit on us, and your presence inside of us. Let me ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to... We, we're gonna. I always say this, we're going to end with communion... And it kind of makes it sound like it's a period at the end of the sentence. Like, yeah, we're going to end with this. But this really, throughout church history, most church, most church history, this, this is the high point of the service. So it's not like we sing, sermon, communion. It's like, no, we sing, sermon, just Because this is where we encounter Jesus. Um, it's not just a ritual we do to kind of check off Sunday morning rituals for church. But Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood, this is me, and I will meet you here. When you take the, every time you take this, remember me. So he's talking about him, not just doctrine and theology, him. He's here. The presence of Jesus is here. So, um, and we'll, uh, we've done this, we did this a couple different weeks, and I've kind of changed things order-wise, but before we take this... Uh, Last week we did a prayer confession that comes from like a Catholic Anglican book. This week I just want to, this prayer of confession is just going to be straight from the Psalms. So, uh, and we're not doing this, it's not like, okay, make sure everything's, yeah, yeah in a sense, yeah, make sure you're right with God. Um, it's not, communion is not a put your nose in your sin, it's a get free from your sin, all right? So read this out loud and loudly with me. It's one, it's one of my favorite prayers of confession, even me personally, all right? Here we go. This is the psalmist saying this out loud. Here we go. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's read it one more time. I want you to put at least one hand out like this, like you're actually willing to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, all right? One hand out. Here we go, one more time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So Jesus, we, we want your spirit to show us things. We want to be set free. And then we also know once we bring those to you in confession, your word says, if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and that you're just and you will forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will set us free. So teach us not to fear confession. Teach us to run to confession so we can experience freedom. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.